Please be seated. Merry Christmas. Lights and trees and music and shopping, time off from work and school, it's a good thing, family and food. But to quote Charlie Brown, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Well, maybe there is. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. Thank you very much. Perfectly done. Thank you, Henry. Thank you. Thank you. If you guys want to sit down for a while, you can. As Tyson alluded to, we, we didn't really know what was going to happen this morning. Uh, glad that, that the Lee family are back on their feet and, and things are going pretty well at their house. But like uh, we just heard, Linus's lines that Henry read so well, uh, that's what Christmas is all about. God's great gift to us all is that a Savior has been born to us, right? And he, we know who He is. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus became God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And Daniel's going to come back and probably share a little bit more about that at the end. We're going to have communion at the end today. And gifts are what I want to talk about for a few minutes. And actually, I'm going to ask you to talk about gifts. Gifts are certainly a big part of what Christmas is all about. That greatest gift, for sure. And however gift-giving started, and I, and I did a little bit of searching on how the gift-giving started at Christmas, and, and there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of speculation about all that, and nobody seems to be too sure. Of course, the general thought is that from Scripture, the, the Magi came and they brought gifts to honor the king to honor the newborn king and to, to worship him. And, you know, as Christians, we'd like to think that that's the reason why we give gifts. And that may be the case. I, I venture to say that all of us in this room, no matter our age, have gift stories that are, are memorable. Some, some meaningful, some a favorable gift story that brings back a, a good memory and maybe even a gift story 
that maybe is, is not, such a, not such a good memory. And, and probably over the years, the, the thing about gifts at Christmas has changed. I know it has for me, and I think I can speak for many of you that, that have children and now grandchildren. The, the, the receiving of gifts is still special, but the giving of gifts is very special. And there's, there's just something different that takes place from when we're eight or nine years old on Christmas morning to the fact that we're, that we're 38 years old. And, and just, it's, just a different, it's just a different take on things, isn't it? I want to ask the kids right now, and I know you're, you don't have a microphone in front of you, but I want to ask the children in here this morning to just yell out. And I, I don't mean all at one time because I, I want to hear them. But just yell out a special gift you got. Maybe this year or some other. Just yell out a special gift. What'd you get? Oculus. Oculus. I have no idea what that is. But it's a good thing. What? Computer. A computer. I know what that is. And that's a, a computer. What else? Anybody else? You don't have to be an elementary child. What'd you, what'd you get? Anybody? Nobody in the Carol Rose going to say a word? Got an iPad? I know what an iPad is. Yes. What? Legos. I'm, I'm glad you got those. I'm glad you got them. Anybody else? Ian, you're wanting to say something? A Roblox gift card. Okay. That's a good gift cards are always good things. Gift cards are good. Good deal. Anybody else? What'd you get? Socks. Okay. I'm glad you got socks. Anybody else at all? Well, I'm going to ask, I'm going to, what, one? Having your family with you. Okay. Most of them. That's, that's kind of where we're headed with this. It really is. I, I want to ask the adults to share some things. And I, and, and when you're, you know, good MCs have lovely assistants. And I, I searched the room and I found the most lovely assistant I could find. Yes, Kim is going to bring a microphone around to you because what I'm asking you to share, adults, we want those that are online to be able to hear as well. And we want everybody in the room to be able to hear. And I'm just going to ask you ahead of time, don't be shy. I, I know that some of you are going to have something to say, and I, and I ask you to say it. And we're not going to go real long. But here's what I want you to respond to. And Kim's going to, you just hold up your hand, and Kim's going to dash to you with the microphone, and we're going to be able to hear you. I was listening to, I listen to Moody Radio a lot. You've heard, you've heard me mention that a lot of times. And, and Chris Fabry in the afternoon is, is somebody that I like to listen to. And, and, and it was actually an old program that they that had been taped and they, and they were playing it again because it was so popular. And he had simply asked a, a few years ago for callers to call in and, and tell about a gift that they had received that had become a very special gift. And it was... And what he intentionally asked for was, and I'm asking you for, is something that wasn't purchased, but it's something maybe of a, uh, something that, that wasn't bought for you, but is an intangible gift that you've come to realize is a cherished gift. Something they've given you that's far greater than any gift that was left under the tree. And, and the, share, the, the things shared, and I've made some notes. That I'll, I'll fill in if we have a, a downtime. 
But the things that were shared, it was just, it was just great to hear what people said. And I want us to share that as a church family today. So Kim's going to bring the microphone to you. Those of you that are home, uh, please comment online. Cheryl, are you able to see the comments? Cheryl's going to, if you put something, if you type something uh, from home, Cheryl's going to uh, be able to read those to me, and, and I'll present those to us as well. Um, please do it this way, though. When Kim brings the microphone to you so that the people at home know who it is, please just say your name. And then if you would like to, to briefly, don't go into a long story, but briefly tell a, a, a special gift that maybe was under the tree from, from childhood if, if you're an adult that's sharing. But then what I want you to share is share about that intangible gift. Now let me give you a couple of examples to get us started. One of the callers on that radio show said, good manners. Good manners were important in their household, important to their mother. And they've been able to pass that on to their children and their children now to their grandchildren. All because grandma and great grandma once upon a time emphasized saying please and thank you. Now, that may seem like a minor thing. But in our world today, that seems to be something that's, that's missing. That's just one example. Another example that I want to just give to you is forgiveness. The par their parents modeled forgiveness, this caller said. And it was more than just words like, you should forgive, or yes, I forgive you. They saw it displayed. They saw their parents truly forgive people that, that, that had wronged them, including each other in, in the, the parents' marriage, and including when they had wronged the children. They saw genuine forgiveness. So the floor is open. The floor is open. And, and just... Hold up your hand if you have something to share. Let's just share as a church family today some of those intangible gifts. And let's let the, let's let the kids hear those things out of our mouths today. Who would like to be first? Who has something to share? And again, please say your name so the folks at home know who you are. Shannon Baxter. Um, Several years ago, I was I got a call from my mother saying that my dad had a heart issue and uh, he was at the hospital and didn't know if he was going to make it. Um, I uh, I closed my eyes and I'm I'm going down the road and I'm thinking about my life and I asked God to uh, watch over my my father and to uh, to help me because um, the way I was going was not the right way probably and I couldn't do it on my own. So I. Just ask the good Lord to be with my dad and the doctors, the nurses. And I said, if, if you want somebody to be in my life, you're going to have to show me a sign. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. you got to give me a sign. I get cold chills when I talk about this. The second I said amen, I get a text message from Tiffany saying, are you dating anyone? I mean, the second. All I had to do was ask the good Lord. And my dad, they messed up all of his... Uh, they messed up everything. He didn't have any heart issues, and I got all this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Chief, for doing that. Thank you, thank you. Back here, Kim. Good morning. Uh, Julia Tummers, and I just have to say that the most precious gift that I was ever given were my parents and the faith that they instilled in me and around the holidays, especially knowing what the reason for the seasons are. Thank you, Julia. Faith, and, and 
Many of us can, can say that, right? I may, I may make a comment about that again in a second. Thank you for sharing that. Who, who's next? Don't be shy, please. Got one over here? There's, well, there's one on the way. There's one on the way. Sally Miller. That's loud. Um, this is a tangible gift, but it, was, it symbolized so much more to me uh, now, maybe more than it did at the time. But when I was seven, all my friends were getting Cabbage Patch Kids, and, and I, wasn't, I didn't figure I'd get one. I wanted one, but um, we didn't have much money at all, and um, I, I didn't know if I'd get one or not. But a gift showed up. Um, I think it came before Christmas underneath the tree, and nobody would claim where it came from, and there wasn't a name tag on it, so... Even my parents acted like they didn't know where it came from. It wasn't from any of my mom's wrapping paper. But I opened it on Christmas morning, and it was a homemade Cabbage Patch Kid that our dear um, church member and neighbor had made. She was a seamstress, and her husband would make doll houses, and he was, did lots of woodcrafts, and she was, she'd make dolls and stuffed animals and things like that. And that was so precious to me because I didn't know if I'd get a real one. And, and while I took it to school after Christmas and... Maybe some kids made fun of it. It didn't matter to me because it was that special to me. My parents moved from Indianapolis to a small community in Greene County, and so many of those older people were like grandparents to me, and they, they were our family. Thank you, Sally. Thank you. Warren, over here. Sally, that's like Dolly's coat of many colors. <laughs> that story is what I thought of. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> Warren Crawford. One thing I remember about Christmas is that uh, after we got up on Christmas morning and opened gifts, Dad would disappear. And as I got a little older, uh, I asked him where he was go where he went. And Dad was a rural mail carrier, and he was going to the post office on Christmas morning and looking and see what packages had come in, and he delivered them. And he just said, people expected those packages by Christmas, and they're going to get them if I can do anything about it. An act of service. And service is so important, and, and, and it is modeled or not modeled in our parents where they give of themselves. And Warren has shared that. And if you don't know Warren and Susan... Uh, I think that has, that's, that's what we're talking about today. That has spilled over, spilled over into uh, uh, Warren's life in that he gives and gives and serves and serves and serves. So, so parents, grandparents, uh, when you lay down your life for the sake of somebody else, when you lay down your time and your, your effort and your, and your money um, make sure the kids do know why. Not in any way to boast, but this is the kind of impact that can happen because of that. Warren, thank you for sharing that. Daniel? Yeah, so this is Daniel Lee, and um, my parents, a couple things come to mind. Uh, one is I probably wouldn't be uh, able to do what I do had it not been for uh, the training that my dad gave me when I was younger. Uh, my dad is the one that taught me how to uh, lead worship and how to uh, write and deliver devotional messages starting from when I was really young and 
uh, how to <laughs> have stage presence and how to be engaging with your audience and everything. Because he was a lifelong educator. That's what he did. He taught uh, and was an administrator and uh, just took some of those skills and helped develop them within me as well. Um, so that's why I have the, the confidence in my ability to, to do what I do. Um, and also, my dad and my mom were both in the education system for their entire careers. And so they helped instill within me an appreciation for teachers and administrators and the importance of education and uh, a drive to learn and continue my education and to continue learning no matter what and no matter how long lifelong ago. Lifelong learner. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Who's next? Oh, Caitlin, right there. We're just going to hog it over on this side. Yeah. Anybody else? Sorry, I'll make it quick then. <laughs> this is Caitlin Lee. Um, I think the most important thing that um, my parents taught me was traditions. I mean, down to like the Christmas Eve food that we have. It's <laughs> always the same. I mean, we might add stuff, but um, the foundation of it is always the same. Um, we have like all the major holidays. We have traditions that we do basically the same every year. And there were times that it would be really frustrating, especially when I found out that I was allergic to one of the foods that my mom made me eat every year. Um, <laughs> and then I'd get sick every year. Um, but it's, it's the importance of those traditions. And I think like somebody said before, the, the meaning behind those traditions and the holidays and things like that um, were really important to our family. Traditions. Thank you, Caitlin. Our daughter would have loved to have been part of your family. <laughs> Traditions sake. She's big on that. Joe? Uh, this is Joe Timbrook. Um, as being part of the Timbrook family, I have lots of great memories of Christmas. Um, lots of kids uh, being around, even, even extra kids at Christmas time um, uh, that would, my parents would bring in. And that was always a blessing to our family. Um, I have a million stories about that, but this year kind of, I think, is one that is, um, um, feels like none ever before. Um, around Thanksgiving, my daughter Taylor, um, who um, is with child, um, and found out that uh, the baby had heart issues, and they were afraid that he wouldn't make delivery. And so a, a bunch of people have been praying and praying and praying, um, and I, more than I know. Um, but bottom line is, um, j just in the nick of time, um, they were able to make a decision and work with um, Riley Physician to where she's going to be able to deliver on April 3rd-ish. Um, and um, they've got plans how to take care of, of, of my grandson um, as as um, as he is born, and we'll, we'll have we'll have some time to, to spend in the NICU. But um, just so grateful, and what a gift to to our family uh, that we've got great grandchild number eleven or twelve coming and, um, um, for my parents in in April, and it is. I can, it has done a lot to strengthen everyone's faith that, I, that are around me, me, um, and, and my daughter as well. So um, what, a Christmas, what a Christmas present for, for me and us this year. Thank you, Joe. Praise the Lord. And a foundation of faith that continues to 
grow and expand. Yes, thank you. Who's next? We got a couple over here. Oh, we got one right there. Um, this is Theresa Thayer, and uh, over the years while I was raising my children, when Christmas came, we always knew that Jean Pruitt would be to the house with packages and several of the other kids in our church at that time and get down on the floor and play games with them and made our Christmases full of love and joy. Miss that man. Yeah, thank you. Just someone who cared for children. He had none of his own, but he had many, right? Yes. I'm Jennifer Sipes, and Tommy is my sister. And I hope I can get through this. <laughs> um, when we were growing up, she would always, we didn't get along very well. <laughs> we fought like sisters fight. But Christmas Eve, she would always say, come on, you've got to come in my room, and, and we've got to read the Christmas story. Come on. I'm going to read the Christmas story to you. Now, I know now that that was so that my mom and dad could play Santa Claus. However, it, it meant something so deep to me. And I don't know what I'd do without her. And every Christmas, reading that Christmas story, it just brings back that memory of sitting in her room, which I was never allowed to be in. So that, that's a beautiful memory for me. Thank you for sharing that. So that's, that's part tradition. It's part the story of Christmas. It's part family. And I'm glad you shared. Not that I'm glad about this, but it's typical. I'm glad you shared you didn't always get along. Because family is one of the things about Christmas, right? And families are sometimes messy and we are called one of the great gifts and that's on my list that I was going to share if, if, if the mic went dry here one of the great gifts is the family of the body of Christ the family of God the, the family that we have an opportunity to be a part of and fully participate in and join a small group when you have the opportunity to get to know people a little better. And you know what? Sometimes it's messy, but we stick with each other and we love each other. And lo and behold, one of these days, we'll have a memory that we didn't even know was that special. And it became that. Okay, Kim, got another one. Oh, he's got it. Um, this is Thomas Carroll. Uh, the memory that really uh, spoke to me is my family would always celebrate, like Advent. We would go through the stories of uh, different, uh, we've got some, we had some different books we went through, but um, every week we would sit down as a family and go through reading about the Christmas story. And that just really showed me the importance of like why 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 are we like, celebrating Christmas and um, the importance of Christmas and the 
spending all that time week after week uh, really showed me how important it was to understand God and understand uh, what faith is. Uh, so that was just uh, something that didn't really hit until after we stopped when everyone started moving away and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, when family changed. Thank you, Thomas. And that one of the callers to the show and what I'll link with that is, is just scripture. That scripture was an important part of life at home. They saw their parents reading scripture and applying scripture. And, and that's not exactly what you shared, but it is. That it just, the, the word of God, the truth of God, the, the way of God, the, the how to live as a follower of Christ becomes part of your home, part of your life, part of your family. Thank you. Thank you. You have another one, Kim? No? Who else? Who else? Cheryl, do you have an online? Do you have any online one? Okay. Um, so I'm Cheryl Woods, um, and I was not raised up in a Christian home, but I was raised up uh, with a very loving family. And I was a bum magnet being a child of the 70s in a beach community. Um, and I asked God to send me a clean and sober person that wouldn't be abusive to me. And I got Woody. He did that for me. I had to ask. Yeah. And God provided. And God provided. Yeah. A man, so do you want me to who, a man who loved you very much. Yes, share those if you yes. would. Okay, like I said, we have too many shy people at home, and I know you're all not shy, but anyway. Um, Mike and Patty Wyatt, he said five books, or she. Um, they, both of them said, I love books. And they said, a Christian home. So that was Mike and Patty Wyatt. Um, also an acceptance of others, other peoples, and other races. Uh, Sherry Elgin said, the gift of being raised by Christian parents and grandparents. And I said, help us out, anyone. Please share. And then it just posted, they're watching, they're watching. And then I said, don't make me beg. <laughs> Thank you, Cheryl, for doing that for us. And that was one of the callers to the, one of the first callers to that radio program was uh, living without prejudice. They counted that as a great gift that their parents modeled that. And that was shared there, too, by Mike and Patty. Anyone else? David? David Williams. Two sets of birth parents and God working out circumstances allowed us to raise and nurture our sons. That's meant very much to me. Thank you, David. One of the callers to the program the radio program thanked both their adoptive parents and their birth mother for the decisions they made. Anybody else? Got a couple more.
this is Nick Swear. Um, the tree that is in our house was my parents' tree before it was our tree. Um, it's way too big for the house that we live in, um, and it takes forever to set up. Um, but it holds a lot of ornaments. Um, and so as we spend our time putting the ornaments on from places we've been and that our kids have made as they're growing up, um, just all those memories flooding back of my family and then our, our Christmas was for years before and, and just all those wonderful memories. Just memories. And, and the root of that is a healthy family. No doubt messy at times, but a healthy, loving family. Yes. Cheryl Hardman. Uh, I can't let the time pass by without saying, uh, at one Christmas, I thought I would never be a mom. I was told more than likely I wouldn't be able to be a mom. And thank you, God, that I do have four kids and now a grandbaby. Um, I had to give it all to God. I had to stop doing it all on my own. I had to stop researching. I had to stop searching everything I could to have a baby and say, God, I'll, I'll take whatever. I'll, I know that you've given it to me to want a baby, to have a, a child, to be a mom. I will. I'll take whatever you have. And didn't, he didn't just fill my cup. My cup is running over. <laughs> And I'm so thankful for that, the, the greatest gift that I've Thank gotten. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. Trust in God. Trust in God. You got one right behind you. Jonathan Swear. Um, I don't know how old I was, maybe junior high, and I got, like, the worst gift ever. But our whole family got them. One year, my grandparents bought us. Everyone in our family, my aunts and uncles and all my cousins, everybody, red sweatshirts. And my grandma ironed these really ugly, the boys all had eagles and the girls had like bells or something. Poinsettias. And, and then all around them was puffy, glittery gold paint. In a, in a, and these weren't just bad. Like, like I, was old, I wasn't that old, but I was old enough to know that I shouldn't wear that. And I wish you guys could all see the pictures that we still have somewhere of everybody sitting in front of my grandparents' fireplace and just the looks of like, why are we wearing these? <laughs> you know? And I remember for like years after that, I wore it inside out, working. Like no one saw it because it was inside out and I only wore it to get really nasty, dirty. But, <clears throat> and it was horrible. And everybody agreed, these are, but my grandma was just like, Yes, nailed it. Um, but it would just, but we still, I mean, that's been 30 some years ago, and we all still, everybody laughs about it, everybody jokes, and everybody's like, man, I wish I still had that stupid sweatshirt. But it was, just, it was horrible at the time, but it's, it's really funny that we still look back on that, and it's just the shared misery. I don't know. Yeah. Again, strong family stuff, and we'd like to see the picture. Okay. Anyone else? Oh, I'm Sue Green, and a few years ago, no, last year, around fall, Tommy asked me where our wedding rings were. 
and I had quit wearing mine because there was no reason to wear it and they were in a little safe in my house. She said, well, could I see them? So I got them out and showed them to her. She said, can I borrow these? I had no idea what she was doing. So I loaned her <coughs> my wedding, my diamonds and her daddy's band. And Christmas time, when we opened gifts, we all three, Tommy and Jennifer and I, had these necklaces that I've got on she had them cut in half and made into a chain and it's Tom's wedding band and the diamonds out of my engagement ring and we wear them all the time. Do you have yours on today Tommy? Oh, she, oh my. She didn't put hers on but Jennifer and I do. Thank you for sharing that. Again a strong family, family tie. Let me, let me just share a couple other things that were shared. Thank you, Kim. Um, one of the things that was shared was prayer. They saw their parents praying and knew how important prayer was. And that maybe is what Joe was alluding to there in his story of what he's surrounded by people that pray. Here's, here was one that... I just thought was invaluable, and this caller did too. They watched their mother live out her last days without fear, knowing she was dying, confident in the Lord, confident in the promises of God. And that was a model that it wasn't all talk. It wasn't all wishful thinking without hope. It was confidence that the Lord is a keeper of his word, and she watched her mother die without fear. Hard work? I thought somebody would say hard work. That was a gift that was modeled and received. How to love your spouse. How to love your husband or your wife. Generous living. That goes, I mentioned it earlier, serving, not holding back. Willing to give your time and your money and your talent for the sake of somebody else at a cost to you. Just integrity, humility. The Bible makes it clear of the advantages of being a humble person and how that is like our Lord Jesus Christ. And besides that, it says in Scripture that God hates pride and there's good reason for that. Kindness was mentioned. Loving the church. I mentioned that a little bit already. But making the church, participation in the church, attendance at church, a way of life, a priority, not a hit and miss thing. Faithful in attendance and, and love for the family of God. Those were some of the other things mentioned. I just want to say thank you to all of you for sharing today. Amidst all the hustle and, and bustle that's often a part of Christmas, as we strive to be givers of good gifts, I, I just thought it was important. Again, that radio program prompted it, but I thought it was important to hear and to be reminded. And I know some of you wanted to speak and, and couldn't bring yourself to, or at least your wheels are turning and you're thinking about, what good gifts do I have? And maybe your home life wasn't, wasn't 
wasn't great. Maybe, maybe parents and grandparents didn't leave you with a lot, but maybe you've been exposed by God's grace to others in your life that, has, that have left a great gift for you to take. We need to be reminded that most of those important gifts are, are, are caught as much as they are taught. So we need to be givers of those good gifts. And I, and I can't help but be reminded of, and this is, this is out of context a little, but I can't help but be reminded of the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And, and you know what that is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking and so on. And those are the kind of things, the intangible things that we're talking about. But here's how, here, here's how Paul leads into that. And the, and the context is they're talking about spiritual gifts and some issues that had developed. But I think it applies to Christmas and gifts when he said, uh, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I guess that's what I'm asking us to do today is to eagerly desire the greater gifts. It's fine to fulfill our children's dream and, and, and give them the, the, the tangible things that they want. And that's, that's a blessing and hopefully you're able to do that. But it's those, it's those greater gifts that are important. And let's dare not forget the most important gift of all. It's the one that we heard read about up here this morning. And to bring us back to the, the day that we're, we're here happened to be on a Sunday. That it's Christmas Day and we remember Jesus' birth. And it's the great gift of a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That he's offered to all. God's a giver. And we're made in his image. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So parents and grandparents and you children that are not parents or grandparents yet, you may be someday. Do everything to introduce your children and our grandchildren to Jesus Christ. And do everything we can to help them be his disciple, his follower. Follow him yourself. Teach the truth and live by the truth. And apply scripture to why you make the decisions, the choices that you make. And love his church and teach your children and grandchildren to do the same. I'm going to ask Tyson and Shannon to come back up. Think we have a song and then... No, we're not. Okay, we're going to go... To, we're going to go Daniel's going to come and we're going to go into the, the Lord's Supper as we remember that great gift. Thank you for sharing today and God bless you church. Yes. Hey, thanks for that, Darren. I appreciate your words. Um, I appreciate your leadership and willingness to kind of get up there literally almost last minute uh, and, uh, and kind of take over. And thank you for uh, showing me that really I don't need to prepare a sermon. I can just ask a question and let you all just preach for me. That's great. I, can, I might come into that next time. But um, I did want to put a metaphorical bow on this Christmas series that we've been doing. And this, is, this will lead us into our time of communion. So if you have your communion cups at the ready, we'll get to that here shortly. But we've been talking about the story of Elijah. 
uh, for Christmas time. And we've seen how God is with us through, through it all, through his entire story, God is with him. God is with, his, God is with us in the valley when things don't seem to be going well. God is with us on the mountaintop when, we, when his presence becomes undeniably real to us. God is with us in our loneliness, in those times of, uh, of where we don't feel that connection with others, loved ones, friends, family, uh, like we used to. And then finally, God is with us in our new family, the new community of believers. But I wanted to wrap it all up by talking about how God is with us in the ordinary. Now, one thing about Christmas that you may have noticed over the years is that the buildup to Christmas is more epic than the day itself sometimes, right? I mean, Christmas Day, especially for a lot of us kids and families, lasts from about 7 a.m. to about 8.15 a.m. Like about that length of time, you've got all the, the wrapping paper going everywhere, the bows going everywhere. You've got the dad with the trash bag. You've got the mom saying, keep the bows for next year. You've got, you know, the kids just not even caring, ripping open one present after another, wanting to play with everything all at once. And then it's over. And what now? Well, the kids get to build the Lego sets and stuff, but often it's just like, huh, that was nice. Now what? Christmas in the ordinary. God is with us, not just in those extraordinary moments, not just in the epic hype moments, but God is with us in the ordinary every day of life. And it's okay to have an ordinary Christmas. It's okay to scale back sometimes. It's okay to just relax. <laughs> Everything will be taken care of. It's all right. And I got to thinking about this because I wanted to refer back to a story we had talked about already with Elijah. Um, there's this scene where Elijah goes into a cave there on Mount Sinai, or the story says Mount Horeb. It goes by a couple different names. But he goes into a cave, withdraws into his own loneliness, kind of gets in his feels, spirals out of control kind of thing. And then God tries to get his attention. God sends this super strong winds that like, causes an avalanche of rocks, but God was not in the wind. God causes an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And God sent a fire, but God was not in the fire. All these epic moments, all these, these displays of power, but God was not in those. And then it says, then came a soft whisper, a still small voice, some of you may, might know it as, or I like the translation, a thin silence. And that's where God reaches Elijah. I love that because it shows us that God doesn't always appear in these big grand, grand scale events. God can be there just in those quiet moments where the kids are out playing, the dogs are napping, everything's fine, and you can finally just sit back and relax. God meets us in those moments too. God meets us in the ordinary. But there's another story that's kind of like that. Uh, if you fast forward a little bit to 2 Kings, you see the story of Elisha, who was the 
kind of successor to Elijah. And Elisha was a prophet, a man of God, was known to work miracles and all this stuff. And there was this Syrian general. Now, Syria was arch nemesis of Israel at the time. So this was a big step. But this, long story short, this Syrian general named Naaman comes to Elisha because he hears, well, Elisha can heal leprosy, which Naaman had. And Elisha doesn't even bother to go out to Naaman. Elisha sends his little servant buddy out to meet him and says, hey, this is what Elisha says. Uh, Go bathe in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be cleaned. And Naaman is like all up in arms. He's kind of uh, offended that this would happen. Like he can't even come out to me himself. He has to send his servant. And then he tells, tells me to go bathe in this muddy, dirty, scrawny river. We've got much better rivers where I come from. Come on. Couldn't... And he's like throwing a hissy fit about it all until this little Hebrew servant girl of his, slave girl, comes up and says, hey, um, if he had told you to do some grand thing, some big spectacle, wouldn't you have done it? So why won't you just go take a bath in the river like he said? And Naaman's like, fine. And so he finally does, and lo and behold, Naaman is healed of his leprosy. It wasn't through some big event. It was just through bathing in this river. There's a book by an author I've come to really appreciate, Tish Harrison Warren. Her book is called Liturgy of the Ordinary. That's her first book. And in this book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, she says this, and I love this quote. She says, a sign hangs on the wall in a new monastic Christian community house. It says this, everyone wants a revolution. No one wants to do the dishes. I was and remain a Christian who longs for revolution, for things to be made new and whole in beautiful and big ways. But I'm slowly seeing that you can't get to the revolution without learning to do the dishes. The kind of spiritual life and disciplines needed to sustain the Christian life are quiet, repetitive, and ordinary. I often want to skip the boring daily stuff to get to the thrill of an edgy faith. But it's in the dailiness of the Christian faith, the making the bed, the doing the dishes, the praying for our enemies, the reading the Bible, the quiet, the small, that God's transformation takes root and grows. It's in the ordinariness. I love that. Everyone wants a revolution. No one wants to do the dishes. So let's talk about seven. That seemed like a pretty good number, seven, right? ordinary Christmas gifts. And we'll go through these quickly, so don't be like, oh, we're going to be here all day. We have Christmas dinner to prepare. We'll go through these fairly quickly, okay? But when we think about the story of Jesus, now Jesus did some amazing things, granted, but I think we can find some ordinary gifts that took, take on an extraordinary meaning. First gift A baby blanket. Think back to maybe when your first children were born, or maybe more recently when some of your grandchildren were born. Baby blanket, yes, and I found this one. I was like, oh, if they had had that when we were new new parents. Yeah, that's that's Harry Potter, it's fine. Uh, (laughs) 
but just the importance of the blankets. Maybe you had somebody in your family make baby blankets specially. Maybe you kept the one that you came home from the hospital with or whatever it may be. And maybe you got one of those fancy new, well, they were new to us. That was like nine years ago now. Uh, swaddling wraps that have like Velcro that like make a little baby burrito, hold them really tight so they can't like scratch themselves. And man, those were a, a godsend. Those were a lifesaver for us because our boys did not sleep well. Still don't sometimes. But wrapping them up was like the magic key for them. But the gift of a baby blanket Think back to the story. The angels appeared to the shepherd. You'll find the one born, the Messiah the, of the world, the Savior of the world, Jesus, the Christ, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Do you think Mary kept those swaddling clothes, I wonder? Do you think she traveled with them? I mean, when, I remember when Caitlin would be pregnant, we would have to go somewhere, especially if it was like close to term. We would like pack all the baby stuff just in case she went into labor on our trip. That was kind of scary. Do you think Mary packed ahead of time, like took her little baby bag with all the essentials and stuff? I don't know. Do you think she kept that? Because we do know through Luke's story a couple different times, it says Mary treasured these things in her heart. God took on flesh and dwelt among us, we're told. The Magi came looking for him, and where did they first go? To the palace. If one is born king of the Jews, obviously it's going to take place in the capital city and in the palace, right? No. You're going to find this child wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The ordinariness of it all, but made extraordinary. Gift number two, <laughs> you walk through Walmart in the last month or so, and you see these body wash sets. Has anybody ever received one of these? Any kind of body wash? Okay, we got a couple. All right. Yeah. I swear, the best gift you can give a junior high boy is an Axe body wash present, right? Well, that could hit either way, because then it smells like B.O. and Axe. I mean... It doesn't really eliminate the smell. It just kind of blends with it. Right? So a body wash set. Like they, these are all over the stores. I'm like, who actually buys that for people? And thinks it's a good idea. If you got one of these, what are you thinking? Like, you think I smell bad. Now, giving like perfume or cologne, that's different. But a whole body a deodorant, body spray, body wash, all this stuff, like really? But it made me think. There's a sacrament in the Christian faith that people got confused with taking a bath. Just like Naaman had to bathe seven times to get cleared of his leprosy, we have a gift of a sacrament that washes us of all of our uncleanness. Obviously, the gift of baptism. Jesus himself was baptized. That's one of the first public acts of him that we read about in Scripture, going to John the Baptist, I mean, baptized by John in the Jordan River of all places. And he set the example for us. 
And each one of us believers, when we make that step to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then we go and allow ourselves to be immersed in the waters. And Peter says, it's not for removal of dirt from the body. It's not taking a bath for those reasons, but it's the cleansing of your conscience towards God. If you haven't received the gift of baptism yet, it's a much better gift than an Acts body wash gift set. I promise you. Because it cleanses you and makes you whole. Third gift, a fishing net. Now, some of you are like, yes, I'd love one of those, right? Um, A fishing net. Uh, I'm not a fisherman. I don't like to eat fish, so I don't like to fish. I mean, it can be fun just to sit out there for an hour or so, but I get bored of it pretty easily. I I understand that some of you are fishermen. That's great. It's fine. Jesus spent his fair share of time out on the lake. Some of his closest friends were professional fishermen. And in one of his first interactions with them, they had been fishing all night. Nothing. Isn't that the worst? When you're out there for hours and the fish just aren't biting. Now, they didn't like fish with rod and reel. They had these nets that they would fling out into the lake and then drag them up behind and try to catch something. Nothing. There were no fish anywhere. Like, where are the fish? And Jesus on the shore says, throw your nets on the other side. <laughs> Oh, genius, you think we hadn't tried that before? Like, they give a little pushback, but they're like, fine, we'll do what we say. And they throw the nets on the other side, and they bring in so many fish, their boats start to sink. Jesus spent a lot of time out on the lake with these fishermen and says, you're fishermen, but I will make you fishers of men. You're going to take what you've learned out here on the lake and you're going to apply it to so many other aspects of your life. I'm going to teach you not just how to catch fish, but how to catch people and win people over for the kingdom of God. And if we pay attention to Jesus, we can learn ourselves how to be fishers of men and how to put those nets to use. (laughs) A foot spa. How many of you would love to have one of those maybe, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, to give your feet a good soak after a long day, right? Oh, when I graduated from Harding University with a degree in Bible, uh, our, our Bible professors get together and give these, the same gifts to all the graduates. And it's a little ceramic plate with a little rolled up towel on it. And it's to remind us of John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, one of the most awkward interactions Jesus has with his disciples, I promise. (laughs) It is awkward and uncomfortable for a reason. They're all sitting around dinner. Jesus realized nobody ever cleaned each other's feet. Like There was nobody to clean the feet. There's nobody on foot washing duty. Wouldn't you love to be on foot washing duty at Christmas dinner, right? Nobody had washed anybody's feet. So it says, Jesus got up from the table, took off his outer robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, grabbed the wash basin, and went around and washed every single one of the disciples' feet. Even the feet of Judas, who would that very night betray him. And after he did this, he says, basically, I've given you a gift. Not just the gift of having your feet washed, but the gift of an example to follow that you may wash each other's feet. 
It doesn't stop with me, Jesus says. You have seen what I've done. Now you do that for each other. Does that mean we have to go around washing people's feet literally? Mm, probably not. But it's more the idea of laying down your life and, and serving other people. The gift of service that some of, we, some of us have talked about today with what our parents instilled within us. The gift of serving others. Putting our own wants and desires aside for the sake of what other people need. You open up the next gift. And by the way, if I hadn't had COVID this week, I would have gone out and like, we would have had props and I would have like pulled stuff out of gift bags and it would have been a whole thing. But you get pictures, it's fine. Bread and wine. The gift of bread and wine. The stuff you nibble on at Olive Garden before your meal comes out, right? The bread, the, the dinner rolls you get at Texas Roadhouse, right? With the honey butter, mm, love it. Right? Some of you at Christmas dinner, you're probably going to have rolls with the meal. Maybe you have wine around the table or sparkling grape juice or whatever. Bread and wine. On the night, on Jesus' last night with his disciples, gathered around the Passover meal, he took the bread, he took the wine, and he took these ordinary emblems and gave them extraordinary meaning by saying, this is my body which is broken for you. And this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many. Again, going back to Tish Harrison Warren, this is what she says. She says this uh, in Liturgy of the Ordinary. He sa she says, of all the things he could have chosen to be done in remembrance of him, Jesus chose a meal. He could have asked his followers to do something impressive or mystical, to climb a mountain, fast for 40 days, or have a trippy sweat lodge ceremony. But instead, he picks the most ordinary of acts, eating, through which to be present with his people. He says that the bread is his body and the wine is his blood. He chooses the unremarkable and the plain, average and abundant bread. And wine. So if you have your communion packets, let's receive this gift of the bread and the cup which Jesus has given to us. And let's all, uh, as Josh did a few weeks ago, let's all do this together. So if you would, peel back for the little bread piece there. And let's receive the gift of the body of Christ broken for you. Peel back the label, the top for the cup. Let's receive the blood of Christ, which was shed for all of us. See, all of these gifts represent God's presence with us through Christ. We've got just a couple more to wrap up the story. You get the box, you jingle it. Oh, maybe that's Legos. You open it up, oh, it's a box of nails. Which for some of us, let's be honest, the price of construction materials, this might not be such a bad present, right? A box of nails. Uh, ironic, isn't it, that Jesus, who grew up as a construction worker, 
Joseph was either a carpenter, stonemason, construction worker. We're not entirely sure what that meant, but he built stuff. He used his hands to build things. And Jesus was an apprentice to Joseph along the way at some point. Isn't this the carpenter's son, they said. How can he do all these things? So the man who grew up using wood, using some kind of nails, using construction implements like these would later be nailed to a piece of wood and hung on that cross for hours until he died, until he gave up his spirit. Here's the thing, though. Jesus says, nobody takes my life from me. There's always that question of who killed Jesus. Was it the Romans? Was it the Jews? Was it all of us? Who killed Jesus? Nobody killed Jesus. Jesus gave up his life willingly for us. When he cried out, it is finished, and he literally gave up his spirit, Jesus died for each one of us. The work was done with wood and nails. There's a song, Wood and Nails, by Aubrey Assad, which is one of my favorite worship songs. The nails were a gift, a gift that he took on himself willingly. He went to the cross willingly for each one of us, and he tells us, honestly, to do the same, to take up our own crosses and follow him, to be willing to lay down our lives for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of others. So what's the final present? All right, Christmas Day has come. You've opened up all your presents. You've seen all the goodies. You're like, oh, I can't wait to get to all these things. Oh, but there's one last gift, and this is the most important. This is the most special of all. Don't you love that when your parents might have, like, kept one back? Be like, okay, you've opened all those. Now wait. Here's the big one. Like, oh, my goodness. I can't wait to see what that is. It's an empty box. What? You'd be confused, right? (laughs) Are you kidding me? An empty box. That might not seem significant. It might even be a little disappointing if you received that on Christmas. But an empty tomb was the greatest gift of all. They went to that tomb that Sunday, that Sunday morning, expecting to find the body of Christ still lying there so they could finish preparing it for a true respectful burial. But there was no body in the tomb. It was completely empty. There was nothing when they were expecting something, and that was the greatest gift ever given. The resurrection of Christ, the empty tomb, sealed our own eternity with Christ, sealed our own guarantee of our own resurrection with him. Jesus overcoming death was the final blow to our greatest enemy of death. The resurrection of Christ was the greatest gift ever given. Jesus gives us these ordinary gifts, and he is with us in these ordinary moments, and he takes these ordinary gifts, these ordinary moments, and he makes them extraordinary because of what they mean for their eternal meaning. All the gifts you've got on Christmas Day, let's be honest, will eventually end up in a landfill. We'll eventually end up on eBay. We'll eventually end up at Regeneration. We'll eventually end up somewhere else other than your home. And some of your parents like, I can't wait to get all of these toys out. Um, Everything you have right now will eventually fade away from dust to dust. 
but the gifts we have through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, will last into eternity. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. We'll dismiss with this song. After the song, we'll go about our ways. Let me say a word of prayer over all of us today. Thank you for joining us. Father God, we thank you for being here with us today. We thank you for meeting us in those ordinary moments. We thank you for this Christmas season and the time that we have with our friends, with our family, uh, gathered around the tree, opening up the gifts that we give each other. And we pray that the greatest gift we can give each other is love, that we can give each other the love that you have given to us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for those ordinary moments and for being our God and for being with us. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.